Welcome to the Norris Group Real Estate Podcast, a show committed to bringing you insights from thought leaders shaping the real estate industry. In each episode, we'll dive into conversations with industry experts and local insiders, all aimed at helping you thrive in an ever-changing real estate market, continuing the legacy that Bruce Norris created, sharing valuable knowledge, and empowering you on your real estate journey. Whether you're a seasoned pro or a newcomer, this is your go-to source for insider tips, market trends, and success strategies. Here's your host, Craig Evans. I am so excited to be on this week. We've got a great power couple with us. Uh, We have Buddy and Kimberly rushing with us this week. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. Buddy and Kimberly run a real estate investment called White Feather Investments. Buddy is the CEO and Kimberly is the chief brand officer. The mission at White Feather Investments is to educate and empower military members to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. They do this through education, access to deals, and their accelerator class with the ultimate goal of creating generational wealth. In the past six years, White Feather Investments has been involved with the purchase of over 1,700 properties with a staggering $1.2 billion value, over $118 million of rental income to date. White Feather Investments now has over 600 members, 350 graduates from the accelerator class, 30 which have gone on to become millionaires. Prior to White Feather Investment, Buddy was a Marine officer at Camp Pendleton, California. He graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy with a degree in aerospace engineering. Kimberly studied business management and marketing at St. Joseph's University in Pennsylvania. They now reside in the San Diego area with two young kids and a fur baby. Buddy and Kimberly, it is so good to have you on today. Kimberly, I'm going to tell you, as as a husband that's married and, and has two kids, in my opinion, you and Buddy are the real estate investing power couple, but I'm going to be honest and, and from what I understand, your own admission, you have been, for the most part, in the background. So my goal today, buddy, I love you, but my goal today is I want to help bring Kimberly to the forefront, and let's change that today. So listen, buddy, again, it is so good to see you again. Kimberly, it is great to meet you and, and, and see you. So uh, I am, I'm so grateful and honored that you are on today and, and willing to spend some time with us and tell our listeners, you know, about your story, right? So first of all, let me ask you, how are you guys doing? I know I saw you in November. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen you since I survived real estate. How are things been going since then? You want to take this one? Last year was the, well, last year was the, the I would say the funnest and the wildest year that we've ever had. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, it was, you know, tw- you know, the pandemic hit. I don't know if you knew this, but I got out of the Marine Corps um, right during the pandemic, like right in the middle of it. It was October of 2020. And so, you know, didn't have another job lined up. We were just going to do real estate. And so we're like, mm-hmm. we're like, all right, well, we've, you know, we've decided to jump off this cliff into the unknown uh, right. and then a pandemic hits, right? And I had my second kid. <laughs> and she just had, yeah, our, our son. And so brand new parents, basically, uh, and, and jobless for the first time in my adult life. And so, yeah, that was... Great time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was our pandemic story. Worked out, but yeah. 
So it's it's needless to say that it's been an interesting few years for you growing through through that process. So let me start on some background then. I, I want to set up you guys because I want to make sure our viewers, you know, I know, you know, buddy, you you were up and did a few st- things with us at I Survive Real Estate. Um, you know, I, I really, my goal is especially what you're doing for the military background and for that culture uh, is very dear to my heart. Uh, I, I've got a lot of military in my background, my, my father, my sister, my wife's parents, grandparents, it's just long history of military. So I love what you're doing for the, for the, for, for people coming out of the military. So, but so really what I want to do is I want people to start knowing who you guys are as people and individuals, right? So let me ask you, buddy. So if I understand correctly, you're originally from Tennessee and, and from what I understand, a pretty humble beginning. So yeah. You know, when I when I look back through that, there's some people that are born into those situations and, and, and the reality is they can't ever get out. And there's some who refuse to let that be their story. My yeah. question to you is how did how did growing up in that position affect you and how did you turn that and say, That's not gonna be my story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, someone told me a story one time that has stuck with me forever. And they said, you know, and I don't know if the story is true or not, but it's it's like a parable, I guess. Um, it says that there were two, it sounds great, right? Uh, it said there were two twin boys that were born into a household where, um, uh, they grew up and the household was filled with abuse and alcoholism. And one went on to become a doctor and to build a beautiful family. And the other, uh, spent his life going in and out of prison. And when they interviewed both of them, they said, you guys are identical twins. You grew up in the exact same household. How did your lives turn out so differently? And they both had the exact same answer. I grew up with an abusive alcoholic mm-hmm. father. So wow. if yeah. that doesn't give you chills, then right. you haven't had enough pain in your life is my thought. Right. And so, you know, in growing up, we had the combination of being poor and of dealing with all the adversity of being poor. But at the same time, you know, our parents in their own way, all encur- they encouraged us to, to break that cycle and to do whatever we could to, to live our dreams. And so, you know, and for me, it was a combination of, and I tell people this all the time, there are two primary motivators that can motivate somebody to do something that's uncomfortable, pain or pleasure, either seeking pleasure or mitigating pain. Pain works better. Right. And so if, you're fill- if your current situation is filled with that kind of pain, any kind of pain that you want to get rid of, that you want to break then use that as fuel, as motivation to do it. And, and that's what I did. It was, it, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't anything more romantic than I need to get the heck out of here, right? right. And getting right. the heck out of there, for me, led me into the military. Well, so I, I guess that's really, I, I was going to ask you, and maybe you're answering that, but I, I want to hear, maybe there's a, another more direct side of that. But, you know, I know you've hung up the combat boot, so to speak. And, and, and I, I'll tell you, Again, I, I did not serve, but I've got so much service in, in my background of my family, my wife's family. I, I want to, first of all, I do want to say, th- buddy, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your service. That means a lot to meet more people that have chosen to give of their life so that I and other people can do what we do, uh, so that your wife can sit there and did what she did. You know, so I, I, buddy, I really appreciate that. So, but in that process, you know, the, the reality is you're always going to be a Marine, right? I mean, that's, that's in your blood, you know, but so how is it really that you came to, to serve in the Marine Corps? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it was hilarious because my dad was drafted into the army during Vietnam and he said, I would rather uh, join the Marine Corps if I'm going to have to serve 
then I would rather serve in the Marine Corps than the Army. And so then he went on to have what he would describe to you as, as a terrible career. <laughs> like he got bust. My dad was a three-time Lance Corporal. And if you don't know what that means, you get promoted from private to private first class to Lance Corporal to Corporal and then beyond, right? Sure. You shouldn't hit Lance Corporal three times. <laughs> you should hit it once. Unless you get promoted to corporal and then get busted down. And then you get promoted again and get busted down again. All right. So my dad was a three-peat Lance Corporal. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, he served in Vietnam, right? And so when those guys, when they came back from Vietnam, regardless of how honorably they served, they were spit on. And they were shunned by the people that were supposed to love them the most. And I want to say this about, you, you mentioned that you have a family of service that you never served. And I want to tell you this, the way that I feel about this beautiful dream that is America. In my mind, the greatest, freest country on earth. And I've lived that. The reason that it is, yes, is because of the military, but it's also because there's 300 million non-military Americans that are just as patriotic and doing their part as well. And so like, I, I absolutely believe that to my core. And so imagine my dad coming back from Vietnam and the 300 million or so turning against him and saying, you know, right. So my dad had massive scars, psychological scars from that. He told me not to join the military. Right. But, never tell anybody, no. <laughs> well, I remember him saying, he would describe what it meant to be a Marine. And even though my dad was a three-time Lance Corporal, he still had that burning pride inside of him that every Marine has, even if they didn't have a successful career. Ask any right. Marine. I met a guy one time who had a $200 million law firm. And I sat in his office and behind him was his law degree and his promotion to Lance Corporal, his promotion warrant to Lance Corporal when he was back, back when he served in the Marine Corps, right? Sure. So he's with a $200 million law firm and he's proud of his law degree and as a promotion to Lance Corporal, right? That's how ingrained it becomes inside of you. And so yeah. my dad, regardless of him telling me I shouldn't join the military, he couldn't hide the fact that he was forever proud to wear the EGA. And so... That, I, that, that stuck with me. And so when I joined the Naval Academy, um, you know, there was never really any, I toyed with the idea of being a Navy SEAL or being a, a pilot like Tom Cruise, right? In Top Gun. Top Gun, by the way, is the greatest Navy recruiting tool in history. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It, and that's not anecdotal. Like that, that, there's metrics that back that up is hilarious. Right. But yeah. So when I, so, but then when I, I was a, um, I was a sophomore, um, you know, called a youngster at the Naval Academy when 9-11 happened. And uh, I was on duty when we watched the planes fly into the World Trade Center and they put up a combat air patrol from the Roosevelt group out over the Naval Academy because they thought we were going to be a target as well. And instantly that night, I was like, there's absolutely no way I can do anything but be a Marine because I need to take the fight to them. I need to leave Marines on the ground. Um, and so that's what led me to, to try to become a Marine. So... <sighs> So from the relationship of you and Kimberly, did you meet Kimberly before or after you entered the military? Yes. I was 17. <laughs> so the answer is yes, before and after. Uh, so I, uh, I was at the Naval Academy. I was a second class midshipman, so a junior. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so, so technically in the military, not really, right? You're a, you're a student, right? So for any Naval Academy midshipman listening out there, you're not in the military yet, bro. So, but we all thought we were. And so, and they definitely so, yeah, so, so I, um, they opened up this little DVD movie store in a tiny little part of the campus. And, um, it was a little closet basically. And I saw that it had opened and I walked in and I saw this, she looks basically the same as she did then. 
Um, and I saw her sitting behind the counter and I was like, you know, my life will never be the same. Like that's, that was, I came in looking to rent Die Hard. Wait, what he means and, is you uh, came to bug me every single day. I did. I never s- once rented a single Every one. single day. Yeah, I got a couple of them for free, but I never rented any. <laughs> Get in trouble. Yeah, that's how I met her. And then uh, she refused to date me. She literally refused. I tried for a year and a half, over a year and a half to get her to go out to like, you know, I don't know, Red Robin to get a bacon burger. And uh, she refused to, refused to date me. She said she would There's never date me There's a whole story behind that. <laughs> she said she would never, never date a military guy. Well, she's really thinking if all he has to do is watch movies, this has got to be the most boring guy in the world, right? I got to find somebody that's going to do something to watch a rented movie. <laughs> Commitment <laughs> issues. You nailed them right from the beginning. Yeah. There you go. Answer stuff. Well, so <laughs> at, at some point, you either won her heart over or your mom paid her enough money to say yes to go out with you. So one of the two happened. So how, yeah. how did you two – so did it really happen after after you were in the military? I mean, when did you guys really – actually connect and and what 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 did that look like myspace myspace <laughs> the beauty of oh, my wow. tom yeah, was everybody's friend myspace i love tom uh, so obviously it's buddy and we yep. were really good friends so um my stepmom worked at the naval academy she had since i was three years old so there was like a strict no dating policy if i was going to work there so there was okay. a reason mm. um and so we were just friends. And so anyway, he left to Okinawa deployed and he was, I guess, operating out of a tough book while being like- When I was in Afghanistan, yeah. yeah. And we were, I found him on MySpace. <laughs> it's been three years, I couldn't reach him. I missed him. And I was like, is this the buddy I used to know? And then that started a conversation that led to, <laughs> to reconnecting a couple, I think like, what was it, a year later you came back? Yeah, I was in Afghanistan. I was in Pektika province and I was, um, I had, uh, I was attached to a, a special forces unit with, for the army called ODA 171. And I had a little tough book, like laptop, like a ruggedized laptop. And yep. I had MySpace. Um, and, uh, you know, that was my link to the real world, right? And, uh, and yeah, so I see this, I see this picture come in of her and, and, you know, it says, is this the buddy I used to know? And it, it just like, it just like all flooded back. Cause I, we hadn't spoken in what a year. No, it was three years. Well, I graduated in 2004, and then this was in 2005, so it was a year later. Yeah, so we, we hadn't spoken, because I went to Okinawa, and th- I mean, there was no interconnectivity at that time. It was 2004, 2005. It was all just starting to come out. And uh, so, yeah, we did, we completely lost touch, and I filed her in, you know, the memory banks as the one that got away, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and then in Afghanistan, this comes back in. And so, yeah, it just, it was, from my part, Fast and furious from that on. I was like, if I, I'm getting another chance at this girl that, that, you know, I have wanted to, um, that I've wanted in my life since the day that I met her. And so I'm going to give it everything I got. And so I was uh, flirting madly and, uh, you know, trying to be as impressive as I possibly could, you know, and seeing if that worked. It did it. It did. This, this story continues. <laughs> Well, so, all right, you, you've kind of hinted at a few of the things already that, 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 that I wanted to know about you and your life. So, so, but you, you've mentioned Afghanistan, things like that. So, all right, so you've had some deployments. How, how many deployments have you been on in your career, in your military career? How many have you been on? And then, you know, out of those, were any of those combat deployments, what, 
give me a little of that story of who the buddy rushing of that, that, that time of your life, the Marine, give me a little, little of who that is. Yeah, I did. So, um, I guess we'll take it from least combative to most, uh, the, I did a, a stint with the British Royal Marines for a little while uh, over in UK. And then I went to Southeast Asia on the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit. Um, and that's a Southeast Asia deployment. So uh, Thailand, Guam, Philippines, Korea. And then I went to Afghanistan three times. So three combat deployments to Afghanistan. Okay. All right. So so you definitely spent your time abroad moving around. How, how many were you on back-to-backs with those? What was that? What did that look like? Yeah, I did my first Afghan pump uh, in 05. Um, and that was, you know, um, that was the the one that we just talked about. And then and then I joined 1st Combat Engineer Battalion. And then by that time, Kimberly and I were already married. And so I did two back-to-back. So I, I did Bridgeport and then Afghanistan. And then I came back and then Bridgeport and Afghanistan. And that was all in a two-year period. So, yeah, it was, I was gone almost that whole time. That's when she was doing the most of the work building our real estate business, actually. She, would, well, she was holding down the real estate business while I was in Afghanistan. Well, so that's, I actually want to say, I mean, I guess really, I mean, I want to get, as I said earlier, I want to get onto the most important part of who, who this is, story is going to be with, right? Is, mm-hmm. And that's the woman sitting next to you. And Kimberly, <laughs> I'll say realistically, uh, again, from having military in my family, again, no, no disrespect to buddy. We I've, I've given him his praise of, and thanks for being in the military. But as he said, I'll say as well, I thank you for your service as well. Uh, being, being that, that wife and mother that, that is home by yourself, trying to figure out how to keep bills paid and keep a household going while your mates on the other side of the world, not know if he comes back. I, I appreciate your service that that is, that is often overlooked by many people. So I, I appreciate that. Um, so, if I understand correctly, a lot of tears. Well, I, I, I do. I really appreciate that. That, as Buddy said best earlier, most people overlook the amount of uh, of women and families that are com- completely alone and trying to figure out how to get by without their man. So, I, I appreciate your service and, and what you did for our country as well. So. Now, in, in, in kind of following your history, because again, I, this is the, I, you know, I, I know we, we, we spoke at, at, uh, I survived real estate, said hello, and, 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 but I'm excited to get to know more about you. But if I'm understanding correctly, you're originally from Annapolis. Is that correct? And, and do you come from a, a military family as well? Or is that, was this new to you? My dad served briefly, but I didn't grow up in that. I am from Annapolis. And then my parents divorced right after I was born, basically, and just kind of went further apart. But, um, I came back to Annapolis for college so I could put myself through school. Um, and then that's why I was working at the Naval Academy mm-hmm. <laughs> 80 hours a week. And I met him. <laughs> so I guess growing up, you know, you, cause things obviously switch for you. You're trying to figure out how to, how to work through life, things like that. Growing up, did you ever see yourself as a real estate investor or, or what was your dream as the little girl? You know, I, I've, I've got, as a dad of two daughters, I, Real estate investment is not my daughter's not, dream. You know? It doesn't so, seem sexy. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was what was Kimberly's you know dream growing up? What did you want to be? You know, I, this is going to sound terrible, but I just I knew that I wanted to do something special. I didn't know what that was. Um, like we had kind of a a hard upbringing. Let's just leave it there. Like just with a lot of brokenness, and so I just felt I wanted to do something special and do something for myself. Um, and I was just grasping at straws. So my mom was a real estate agent. So I would see her on that side and just the joy of helping people find a home. Uh, and then my stepdad used to work on historic homes. And so he would take me with him and 
show me this old house that he was gutting and wanted to renovate and he would let me help. I was like five, six years old, hammering nails into wood in this old beat up house in Norfolk, Virginia. And I had an absolute blast. So I was that girl with a hammer and nails instead of the Barbie dolls. <laughs> and I also had two older brothers that made it their mission to beat me up at all times. So I was very much tomboy, but that's what I enjoyed doing. And then my dad, in all intents and purposes, could have been a contractor. So he, at this point, kind of built his house from the mm -hmm. ground up. So yeah. I've had a lot of that in my history, in my background, but there was never a call for that. There was never a desire for that. I think it started with college when I lived by myself and I worked so much. I had no friends <laughs> and I watched HGTV. <laughs> Every except, day. Except, for, except for Buddy that was coming to rent movies from you. Friends. <laughs> he was the only friend. <laughs> he was only friend. Um, no, I just worked too much. I didn't have any money or time. I mean, Philadelphia was so expensive. I had five jobs and was going to school. So the little bit of free time I had, I would just watch the one channel that I could get in my apartment, and it was HGTV. No heat. And I, I know I couldn't afford heat. Couldn't afford heat. <laughs> He offered to pay my heat bill when you come visit. I came, so I came to visit her and it was freezing. And she was like, just put on another blanket. And I'm like, no, just pay your heat bill. She was like, I can't afford my heat bill. I was like, I'll pay it. So I paid her heat bill so we could turn the heat on. <laughs> and I moved shortly after that. Anyway. <laughs> I did the best. Right. She, she made me, what was it? Uh, eggs, uh, scrambled eggs mixed with like oat bran cereal or something <laughs> like that. She had no food. She had no food. She was so poor. And so it actually is really tasty. It was Scramble not eggs, tasty at all. Cereal it and was, honey. It's, it, like, it's as bad as it sounds. It does caramelize, but not. Uh, uh, Kimberly, I appreciate all you've done for your country, but listen, yeah, uh, don't make <laughs> me breakfast, no. please. Yeah, don't, 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 don't try that. That was that was these are the things that I want people to see in life. You know, so oftentimes I think people think that, um, you know, as real estate investors, so many people start out like a Donald Trump or somebody that, Hey, their, their, their dad has handed them money and they have this pool. And, but you know, people don't always get to hear that. Hey, I couldn't pay my heat bill right. and, and I, I had to eat okay, no offense, but gross things because I couldn't afford anything else. You know, I was trying to rub two pennies to make a dollar. You know, people don't always hear that. And, and, and especially in a lot of our culture today, so many people just think it should be instantaneous. And, and that's part of why I really want to hear about, you know, who you guys are as people. What do you, what did you fight through to get to be who you are? So, so buddy, let me jump back to you real quick. Uh, from a, from a work history and education, if I'm on, if I, if I remember right, uh, you had told me one time you've got a degree in aerospace engineering. Is that, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. That's what I mentioned right. at the Naval Academy. So, you know why? So at the Naval Academy, you have to declare a major, right? You can't just okay. be like, Oh, I'm, you know, going to basket weaving, right. Or whatever. Like you, you have to, it's a STEM school, right? So you have to be some kind of, okay. you, know, you can't do like a, a, you can't get like a bachelor of fine arts in like piano or something. They're like, no, you need to study science. Right. And so, I was you like, can't major in like flight or Tom being a Tom Cruise flight director. You know, you, no, you, you I couldn't major in being, being cool. I tried, yeah. uh, but <laughs> I, you know, so it was like chemistry or organic chemistry or like differential equations, blah, all this super nerd, super hard stuff. By the way, the academics there are so hard, and so I was just scraping to get by, and I was like, you know what? Aerospace engineering sounds awesome. That's like the guys that shoot rockets into space and they fly planes and flying planes is awesome. Rockets are awesome. Give me aerospace. That's how I chose it. That's the amount of intellectual rigor I put into choosing my 
And it was the hardest major ever. And I barely, barely made it. And so, yes, I do have an aerospace undergrad, but don't think for a second that I'm a rocket scientist because <laughs> I'm not. So, so I actually, I was going to ask you, did you ever consider working in, in that kind of field? But I think you've already answered that for me. It's like, I don't think yeah. you've ever gotten a job in that, right? <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't think I could have gotten a job. No, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not the, you, you don't want like SpaceX, Elon is not going to call me and be like, hey, can you help me design the Falcon 9? <laughs> right? I'm, like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> You would love it. So, uh, for 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 either of you, how 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 did you actually? How did the journey start? How did the real estate journey start? And and who kind of got the first itch b- between you? Um. So I did. Um. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was in Afghanistan, actually, and um, okay. I was like, oh wow. So you buy a house, you renovate it, you sell it, and you're rich. Okay, our, that's the formula. I do that. And so I come in and I take full responsibility for this. The first decision we made, I made, um, cause she wasn't out there yet was to buy a house unrenovated and then spend my days and, you know, weekends and stuff renovating it myself. Right. Which, you know, that sounds like a great idea, except I closed escrow on the property June 5th of 2007. And so I bought an unrenovated, let that sink in yeah, for everybody yeah. for a second. <laughs> I bought an unrenovated property in June 5th of 2007 with the intent to renovate it over the course of a year or two and then sell it. And she came out about halfway through the process where I'd already sunk a lot of money into it. We had books from Home Depot and YouTube videos to, to learn how to renovate a house, which I will tell you. You can learn a lot from YouTube. Technically, <laughs> you can do that. We did. We, the only thing we didn't do was the electrical and the plumbing. Oh, no, you tried the plumbing. Tried the plumbing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I was, yeah, I remember. So I was, that's another story altogether, but I was like trying to solder There might have been bread involved. And you're supposed to stick bread down into a a pipe in order to solder it so it holds it, and then the bread will come out, and I'm sitting here soldering, and some of the water pressure caused the bread to like release, and it just hit me right in the face, right? It It was raining bread. It was stuck on the ceiling. It was coming down. I was complete. I was in my uniform, by the way. I was completely covered in it. No, no, no. Oh, you have to pay for this. He was doing. So is that it's the it's the kitchen wall. So he's doing splits. So all I do is I walk in, and Buddy's doing splits against the wall, and I see this volcanic eruption of bread water just spraying him in the chin. And I was. She was useless to help. I was floundering, drowning even. My life was in danger. And I was like, please, someone help me. And she was doing this. She was doing. I've never seen anything like it. Unhelpful. Wildly unhelpful. We still have bread on the walls. We painted over it. We painted over it. (laughs) I forgot about that. We painted over it. So, you know, you, you guys know I, I own one of the companies. Own, I own a plumbing company, right? And, and okay. uh, I, I think I'm going to play this clip at our next kind of safety toolbox talk about yeah. how not. Yeah, don't. don't do, yeah, no, don't. Well, and there's a difference between deep breath. Maybe I'll tell them I'm, I'm hiring a, a, new, a new department manager, and I want you to meet your new department manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Yeah. So, um, so, so, Kimberly, let me ask you: Can can you talk about the early years? You know, Buddy's deployed. You're 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 a mom there, uh, and, and I don't how, how I don't know how soon it is that you were having children, things like that. But you're stateside, and you're running, in essence, the business, right? So, so kind of walk me through how how that process, because Buddy had already thrown you into this by buying the first house and. 
and, and, and you're going through it and now he's deployed and now you're it. You're, you're CEO, CFO, mm-hmm. chief bottle washer and hammer and, 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 and husband and wife and mom and, and anything else you can be. How did you, how did, how did that kind of work for you? Well, the, the deployments, we didn't have kids yet. So I will say that that definitely on my end made it easy. So we had okay. just, he had just went to school and then we moved to San Diego, which we'd never been like neither of us had ever been. We didn't even have an address. We just showed up and we're like, okay, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> where are we going to live? And drove around and look for for rent signs. Drove so around. That's what yeah. we did. And we found one and told, told the moving company where to drop our stuff off. Now that we finally had a place and pretty much right after that, he starts training. And then right after that, he deploys. And I was working for Jenny Craig at the time, and they have only a lottery system. So if you want to take time off, you have to ask to be in the lottery. And they basically effectively told me I could not take leave to, or I couldn't take off to spend time with him before he left for deployment. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm not coming back to Jenny Craig when I'm done. So we spent a week just spending time together. It was, it was the hardest. Obviously, it's the first like real deployment that I'd been with him from the beginning. And I've never experienced anything like that. It was it was hard. It was special, obviously. So let me ask you this, buddy. So we now know that Kimberly is I'm, I'm going to interrupt there because I, I have now heard that Kimberly is really the brains behind how <laughs> you were getting this. So uh, how so you're you're only literally on the other side of the world fighting for our country. Right. How are you getting houses done? What was happening? So he would send me the numbers and that was basically my, my go, right? It was like, okay, go. And he's like, if you can get it for this, have at it. And so we would make the offers and then, um, they would say yes, eventually. (laughs) And, um, and that was it. And so as soon as they would say yes, I started interviewing contractors and we finally got a couple under our belt, um, cause that was local. And so then I would meet with the contractor and yeah. I mean, These are 29 Palms Yucca yeah. Valley contractors, by the way. So Craig, you're in the contracting world and you're in Florida, right? So you know that contractors come in all shapes and sizes and some of them are hard drinkers, hard fighters. They'll get, get sent to jail over the weekend and get bailed out on Monday and come to work, right? <laughs> and so, so Kimberly is dealing with these contractors, right? And they loved her. And she was... I mean, it would be like, it would be like, no, no, I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to meet that timeline. And then, you know, somehow or another, she would cajole them into like, oh, well, can you finish by this time? And, and, uh, do you know why? Because I was really nice. Okay. You make it seem like I take advantage of them. We had fun. And oftentimes when they would do their thing, I would be in there doing stuff too. Cause I had a budget and buddy would give me a very hard budget. And I was like, if, if, if we went over on this and we don't have room for that, Guess who gets to do it? And so I, we just made it work, honestly. And I was like, I am going to make this happen because what are we doing if we're not if we're not moving forward, right? And I want him to come back from deployment and see that I could do it and be proud of me. Well, so what? So what do you think is the craziest thing that you've done personally that you had to dive in, get your hands dirty? That that Kimberly, you've had to do to to meet budget and get a house over the finish line to make that deal happen and finish and be rentable or sellable. Is the forty hours? Was it the roofing or was no? I think it had to be the forty-hour painting stretch and sleeping in the closet. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was fun. That was funsies. So uh, the contract. 
That was the guy who did not know what to do with me because he was like, oh, we just, you know, we can't, we can't seem to get it done in time. And I was there physically there watching them eating, talking on the phone and I'm painting and sweating. And then like yeah. I would run fast food, come back, eat French fries, like while painting. So I think like they just realized like when I say timeline, like we have to, right? Like our numbers are here for a reason because now we have to free up our money and get a renter in place. We couldn't afford to have it professionally painted because yeah. the the price. And I think at the time it was like they, they bid like $3,000 to paint the whole house. And I we know. were like, that's crazy. How? We can't. Could you no way. Oh my God. You crook. <laughs> Kimberly's like. Now that's a bedroom out here. Yeah. Yeah. And Kimberly's like, to heck with that. I'm going to go to Home Depot, buy a bunch of paints and rollers and paint the whole house myself in 40 hours and she did in 120 degree heat because you don't have oh. air conditioners there yeah. with my dog and the, and and the contractor took off the front door handle and so the door wouldn't lock and so i thought it was a good idea which is totally unsafe we couldn't afford a hotel and so i was like well okay so if someone breaks in where are they gonna what are they gonna steal there's nothing in here and so i was like okay well i'll sleep in the closet who's gonna look in the closet well, I didn't realize the closet like, was like this, shin. and I brought my dog with me, and I had to close the doors, because why are you going to be in the closet if the doors aren't shut? And so then I'm really like this, and then my dog just like sits on the <laughs> So I got about two hours of sleep. And then got back up and, and then <laughs> finished painting. That was probably the worst. You can't make these stories up. And this is part of what I want people to hear. The journey sometimes, it's a battle, right? You've got to be creative. You've got to be willing to commit. You know, buddy, you said it earlier. you got to take action. It, you you didn't pay contractors to do everything. You dove in to meet budgets and hit timelines. You sweated. You slept at night on the floor. You did the things to get it done. That's some many times what you've got to do to be successful and push through. So, um, so so let me ask you this. You know, do, do you believe that the the real estate business that you guys were building at that time, you know, Kimberly, do you think that helped you get through the deployment? Oh, a hundred percent. I would have absolutely lost my mind because. It's not just the fact that they're gone. It's the fact that you don't know if they're coming home. And if I was just left to sit and think about that every day, I would have, I can't, I'm way too emotional for that. I don't want to talk about it. Like I, 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 so staying busy and, and doing something and that like back and forth, like was such a cool team effort that we had. I felt so much more connected to him than I ever would have felt any other way. And my favorite part was being excited, not just for him to come home, but for him to come home and see it all. Yeah. And getting to take yeah. him to the houses that he's never mm -hmm. set foot on. He's only seen the before photos and see all of the work that was done and what it looks like and and the the look on his face. That mm -hmm. made it all worth it. And I I don't think I've ever felt that feeling before. That was Yeah. That it so yes, to answer your question, it absolutely got me through. I'm sure you're hyper aware, you know, you were in that position, you're aware of the risk that you're taking being in the military. Mm -hmm. Uh so let me ask you, as as the husband, did that give you a little peace of mind? I mean, this is the this is a tough question, the the emotional question, but did did that give you any peace of mind knowing that Kimberly was there building a business? Yes, for you too. But if the worst case scenario were to happen, you were building a business that would have provided for Kimberly and that she would have been okay. I don't think I thought about it in terms of that simply because you can't, or at least for me, I, death was everywhere and it, you can't dwell on it. Otherwise you're just petrified. You're pet, you're scared all the time. Interestingly enough, I wasn't nearly as scared in my first deployment when I wasn't married, when we weren't together. It was way more what we call kinetic, so violent. 
Um, but I was way more afraid for, you know, for the loss, right? I had more to lose, right? And so I was way more afraid the second and third combat deployments. But I, what I'll tell you is <clears throat> it wasn't, oh, she's going to be okay because, um, you know, she's got this business. I, I never doubted that Kimberly would be okay. Like, she's so resourceful. She's so intelligent. And, and like, I actually believe way more in her than she believes in herself, um, which is not an uncommon phenomenon when it comes to husbands and wives I've found. Like this. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like she's petrified to come on here. And I knew she'd be phenomenal, but she, you know, but I mean, that's the, the fact that she's willing to take action in spite of her natural sort of fears and everything. It's even more remarkable. And so I didn't fear for her. Oh, but what I loved about the fact that we were doing this together was it gave us a complete other dimension of something to talk about besides I miss you. Oh, I miss you. Because if that's all you talk about, then it like, it just drains your soul, right? Because it's just, you're just right. focusing on what you don't have and the loss. Whereas when we can shift ourselves to something that's less pure, you know, uh, emotion and more practical, I will tell you, you want to survive traumatic experiences, root yourself in the practical, Put one foot in front of the other. Go out on patrol. Do your job. Focus on the things you can control. And I promise you, it makes it a lot easier to deal with really extreme situations like your husband being over in Afghanistan or literally being there uh, in that place of, of extreme violence. It, so, so, yeah, I mean, it was when I talked to her and we talked about running the numbers and things like that. There's When you look at a spreadsheet and run the numbers, your brain's not thinking about, oh, I could lose my legs tomorrow. Right? right. And that's therapeutic. Like I didn't even, I haven't even thought about that until just now, but like, that's, that was a really big place of peace that we, you know, we grew a lot closer because of that. So it's wild to say that a business can bring you closer as a, as a married couple, but it did. Well, and it's interesting as you're sitting here talking, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, as a dad of two, I'm thinking about how I teach my daughters. I'm thinking about when I'm teaching classes, what do I talk about? How do I'm teaching? And, and it hit me that as you're describing what you're talking about, you're going on and you're, you're, you're standing that line, you're walking that line, you're doing your job day in and day out, right? You, you run the numbers, you and Kimberly are having a plan. And I think so many people forget that sometimes to get through the, the beginning phases of their life or the hard phases of their life, sometimes you've just got to Stand up and do your job. Okay, that's going to do it for part one of our interview with Kimberly and Buddy with White Feather Investments. Stay tuned next week for the second half of that. It's going to be great. For more information on hard money loans, trustee investing, and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For more information on passive investing through the DBL Capital Real Estate Investment Fund, please visit dblcapital.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under the California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.